September 26th, and that means it's time for another episode of Nonprofit Conversations. I'm your host, Cecilia Sepp. I'm the principal and founder of Rogue Tulips Consulting. And continuing our 2022 trend of first-time guests, I'm pleased to welcome Jamie Nodder, a well-known name in our industry, and Rick Burt, who will be a well-known name in our industry soon, I'm sure. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about misinformation in online communities. It's out there. It's a problem that we are more aware of now, and we're going to talk about ways that we might be able to mitigate the ramifications of it. But first, I'm going to ask my guests to introduce themselves. I'm going to throw it over to Jamie Nodder and ask him to say hello to our audience. Hey, thanks for having me, uh, Jamie Nodder. I've got a consulting company that I run with Maddie Grant called Propel, and we focus on workplace culture. Uh, related to this topic, I can also say that I got my master's degree in conflict analysis and resolution 30 years ago, which is upsetting that it's 30 years ago, but it's uh, <laughs> relevant topic uh, piece. Uh, it's relevant to this topic. So, Oh, that's great to know. Uh, that's a new information I did not know about you, Jamie. Thanks for sharing that. Let's start over to Rick. Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. So uh, Rick Bird, I'm with uh, A1, the Association of Women's Health Obstetric and Neonatal Nurses, uh, serve as the Vice President of Membership and Volunteer Engagement. And in this capacity, uh, I oversee, uh, my team oversees a, an online community. Uh, and I have been uh, overseeing a number of online communities in previous roles uh, while I've been in the association space and certainly uh, have run into an opportunity to have to diffuse some conflicts, but also uh, reinforce the rules. And so I'm happy to discuss today a little bit of how we've approached that to ensure everybody understands uh, what their role is when it comes to engagement in these spaces. Oh, well, that sounds like that's going to be a great part of the conversation. And before we dive in, I would like to say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to our global audience, wherever you may be. And I hope you enjoy this week's conversation. So, Rick, let's go back to what you were just talking about, the different roles of, of staff and working with communities and addressing these kind of issues and how they do cause conflict, and perhaps the roles and responsibilities of the members of the online communities. We've run into, I believe, often with these communities are certainly there's space where you want to create an environment for everybody to feel comfortable. You want to come and maybe get some advice on, on a product or be able to promote some item that you've been doing well in your, in your association. But at the same time, we have to make sure that there are some base level ground rules about what and how you engage in these spaces. You know, previously, we had a community that was all moderated. And at that time, that meant a staff member, someone was having to uh, review every post and make a determination of whether or not it could be then seen by the larger audience. Uh, that is something that's very time consuming. And it also then takes the power out of the member's hands and actually puts it in the hands of a staff member who may not necessarily know exactly what they should or shouldn't be approving for posting in that space. So, you know, some one approach that uh, we took at a previous association was let's remove that moderation. Let's reinforce and make sure that the member group has created a set of ground rules and that 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 those ground rules then are communicated out to everyone that signs up for an account uh, and, and recognize then here are the rules. Uh, here's what happens when you violate one of those rules. And then in addition to that, 
here is the way that if you need to mitigate that or you don't agree with what that sort of uh, slap on the hand or that or that sort of um, that piece of discipline comes, how do you then rebut that and what group would be overseeing it? So that's right. a little bit of, of, of some baseline pieces. You know, I think the staff's role in this process typically is one where uh, you're, you're helping to promote the member groups that are in that space. And maybe there's a, a member moderator, someone that has a baseline understanding of what they should be enforcing or not. Right. But that's really, you know, what I've seen as a success to ensure that uh, everyone that's engaged has that community piece that goes back and forth. You know, and, and that's great outline for how to get that set up and communicate it. Because I do know from my years of volunteer leadership management, you have to constantly communicate and remind people of things. So, but as we all know, simply because you share the rules and guidelines with people doesn't necessarily mean they're going to follow them. So Jamie, what do you do when you have people who know the rules you've told them, maybe you've talked with them a couple times about it. Uh, how do you handle that kind of conflict in an online community? Well, I, I mean, I think the piece is what Rick mentioned, which is the, the, the process rules for when there are violations of whatever code. Because in my experience, those are really poorly written in most people's policies on this one. They're like, oh, well, this, you know, committee will review that and decide or something like that. I'm like, by when? And does the person get to show up in front of the committee and talk to them? And like, this is what they all want to know. Or you, you get a committee that then thinks, oh, well, I have to solve all these problems. There's a conflict between two people in the community. I need to get them together and resolve it. Like, well, that's not actually what the policy says. The policy says you just can't engage in this behavior. And if you do, we kick you out of the community. You know what I mean? Uh, and they end up trying to solve the wrong problem and go down that road. So where I've seen organizations struggle with this is when they're just not crystal clear on the purpose. So it's not even about reminding. Like, you can remind people. But if you don't have good documentation that says, no, really, it's just this that we're managing like if you guys disagree that's your business i'm not going to resolve the conflict between you two but we do have standards for behavior and you violated them and here's how i saw that you know what i mean like you got to get clear on what you're addressing and i feel like that gets really jumbled up because particularly in i mean in association online communities these people often have really long relationships with each other you know what i mean they've been in the industry for a while they know each other there's skeletons in closets and there's, you know, there's background and the baggage, right? And so that all gets wrapped in it. And, and what I've tried to help the few clients that I've worked with this, this I've tried to say, no, get all that out. I want you to distill it. What is, what is it that we are trying to manage here? And how do you know it when you see it? You know, I'm glad to hear that you counsel people to do that because I think a lot of these guidelines are either vague or they're too long, or like you said, processes for moderation are not clear enough, the steps. Uh, I, I do know at ASAE, I, I am active in several communities and I monitor others just for my own learning, but they have a flag as inappropriate option. So if you see something and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I just don't think this is like within our guidelines, you can just flag it and say why, and then they look at it and they and they compare it to the guidelines. And a former ASA staff person who was a moderator for a couple of communities, uh, probably more than a couple, told me that, you know, in a staff person's day, they only have like one or two chances a day to actually check 
the moderation because to Rick's good point earlier, the staff has a lot of work to do and this this takes a certain amount of time to do it well and do it right. So Rick, I'm going to throw it back to you. What do you think are some of the long-term risk of having misinformation lead to conflict within the, the online communities? Long-term risk, to Jamie's point, uh, you disrupt uh, those relationships that may have been created over a course of time. So if this isn't addressed uh, really immediately and, and called out in a way to where uh, the individuals understand that they violated whatever those process rules are, or just the, the code of conduct in general uh, that has called that out, then that's something that we run a risk of encouraging that type of behavior to continue. You know, one of the things that we've implemented, uh, particularly, is being able to have uh, a number of team members, uh, and this is compiled of, you know, volunteers as well as staff team that are responsible for uh, for addressing those issues when they're flagged. So if someone flags something that's appropriate, then we immediately go in and make a post in the admin piece, allow it to stay there, uh, but address the fact that this is diverged from the topic of conversation. It needs to cease at this point and anything further then will, will, will trigger the uh, the disciplinary actions that go along with that. So we've seen that be one of the pieces where you immediately wanna shut that down uh, to ensure that everyone that sees it recognizes, okay, this is not tolerated. We're not going to, but it also encourages, you know, that differing of opinion, in my opinion, for folks to say, all right, I disagree, you know, but keep it on the topic. Don't diverge away from the topic. Don't libel, you know, don't disparage someone uh, you know, be respectful in that exchange, and that will ensure that we can continue to have a viable community of an exchange of ideas. Yeah, well, I would, sorry, I'll just add to that. I mean, I think the biggest risk is disengagement. Mm -hmm. if, if you let this stuff go on, people stop participating. And that's what I've heard from the client. They're like, look, these communities, this is the one place I can go and ask my peers questions and get the answers. It's so valuable it's typically a, a, an anchor of, of member value in associations, right? You can't put that at risk. And so, I mean, it's hard. And I really like the example of, hey, we're, we're, this, this comment is still up there, but here's exactly why it's being flagged. Mm -hmm. It's not about, I disagree with it. It's about, it's off topic. Right. And one of our rules is we stay on topic. And that's, again, that's the piece that is often missing it's it's it, when people just sort of shut things down because they're afraid of where it's going to go. Like you got to be really explicit about it and you got to teach constantly. It would be okay if you said this, but it wouldn't be okay that you said this, right? That's the difference. Um, well, and, and, you know, you, you would hope that when we all reach a certain age uh, and level of professional experience, we would know how to behave ourselves and talk to each other politely. Uh, but for some reason, we need to be reminded occasionally being well, out of Missouri myself, I just want to say to people, knock it the heck off and just <laughs> behave. But uh, that doesn't come across well. All no, time. let's see. This, this is my conflict resolution background. I spent my I spent half of my career dealing with people that are saying pointing to the other side, saying why can't they be respectful, mm -hmm. and the other side's pointing back, saying why can't they be respectful. And part of my part of my part of my work has been we got to define what respect looks like. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I did find that in the case, the two online community projects that I worked on where there was disruption and they couldn't manage the policies and it was hard. In both cases, I said, you got to describe what the, what the not appropriate behavior is and give it a red, yellow, green. Yes. Okay. Oh, I like that. So, so if someone says, I disagree with your idea, green. We welcome the disagreement with ideas and the debate and that stuff, right? You know, uh, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Okay, uh, stupid is not a word I would want used here. Now you're calling the idea stupid, so this is a yellow. Like this is a watch out, you know. Or you're stupid for saying that idea. That's red. That's attack. You can't do personal attacks, right? But like that kind of subtlety needs to be played out because everyone's going to claim that the other side is not respectful, right? Like we can't just use that word. You got to really show the nuances between, no, this is crossing this line, but this is crossing that line. You know, and, and Jamie, I'm kind of giggling, not because of your example, but because it made me remember something from a long time ago, uh, the original Saturday night live, uh, not ready for primetime players, used to do a parody of late night talk shows that were supposed to be debate shows. Mm-hmm. And Dan Aykroyd would always start with Jane, you ignorant slut. Who did you sleep with to get this job? So it's like, we don't want that kind of language, of course, in our online communities. So uh, I love that. Let's define what does respect mean. And I, I think a lot of times people say, they're not being respectful, but what they mean is they don't agree with me. And so I don't like that. And, and so how can we, and, and Rick, I'd love to hear your input on this, because I think Jamie's red, yellow, green idea is perfect, actually, because it's levels of response of, hey, wait a second, you know, let's look at this language, let's look at your motivation. But but how do, what do you think about that, about like, how do you get the people to understand that respect means everybody doesn't necessarily agree with you? And then how can you kind of walk them through that with your community guidelines? Yeah, you know, an example that we've had recently, uh, and, and, and every association may not have the resources and the capability to be able to follow through with this example, but we had, I would say, um, a post that would have been in the flag in the red category using Jamie's um, example. And, and that required then uh, from either my level or someone on my team's level to actually pick up the phone and call this member. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that a lot of us now have gotten to the place of we rely so much on email or exchanges where you're not having a direct dialogue. And mm-hmm. that, that then prevents us from the opportunity of having the chance to state again what maybe the violation is hear that reaction from them, but then reinforce why something had been flagged. And so I think that's one way to make sure that you're able to, uh, as I like to give it, you know, an example of a sandwich, I'm going to give you some good information or good news. Now I'm going to give you the bad, and then I'm going to end it with some good. And that's one way to approach it by, by, you know, following up on whatever that electronic notification may have previously been, I'm going to pick up the phone and call you. And uh, a member I reached out to to actually have to follow up on was quite surprised they were getting a phone call first. But then, you know, I, I gave the member the opportunity to say, this is why, you know, I've been tasked to give you this phone call. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure to encourage you that your voice is important. 
We appreciate your input, but there are just a few rules that have to be respected and monitored. And you're not the only one getting this call. So just ensuring that you continue to do that, but please be respectful in this, in this action and activity and how you move forward. Uh, and I'll say, you know, that member uh, was very uh, responsive. Uh, I think, first of all, taken aback by the phone call, but then responsive in terms of getting that personal connection in touch. So I say again, I don't think every association may have the resources and capability to be able to do that. But I think if it rises to a certain level, if we use the red, yellow, green, then you know those that are in the red, and I don't typically think there's going to be a, a you know an endless number of them. But you can really figure out who those individuals are and address that with them. You know, and I think that is such excellent advice. Uh, Dean West from Association Laboratory, he had this great quote years ago: "The power of the phone call. Just pick up their phone and talk to someone." And when I was working on staff at associations, uh, I would often do that. I would just call somebody and say, um, I'm not quite clear what you mean by this email or message that you left me, uh, because we really weren't into online communities way back then. Um, but I, I think that's really excellent advice. Actually go to the source and have that real-time conversation. Um, despite well, the fact we don't do that, Jamie. I will I'll just add on that from a conflict resolution point of view. I've been, I've been saying this for years. Like someone asked me to write a book about conflict and email. I'm like, that book is done in one word. Don't. And that's something that we actually don't, I think maybe even acknowledge or we don't acknowledge it, but we're, our radar isn't on the, uh, on the fact that all these online communities are text-based conversations the, the reader adds the tone that's how the respect think and stuff i you know it's like if i say well i disagree with your idea that's different than i disagree with your idea but you don't like you read the latter tone into it because you're already mad at me uh, and i was just like saying no i don't know i disagree with that it's no big deal so um the phone call is a great way to stop that i think you will get a lot of people surprised like oh that's not what i meant Right. Or I didn't mean it like that. Right? Like, oh, OK, I gotcha. You know what I mean? It's, and, and if you don't even if, if you did email them and say that they would read the tone into it, that I'm being punished or I'm being admonished, they would get all defensive and send you a long email back about why there should be and copy the board. Chat, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just don't do conflict by email. So the phone call is a really good idea. The CC chain, I think, is the worst part of that because then it turns into a bigger issue than it probably really is. And Jamie, oh, I man. used to call that eek mail because, you know, that mail and you're mad. And especially when you first start using email for business a lot and you write that angry email and you hit send and you're like, eek, I can't believe I did that because then you're waiting very tensely for the response. You know, I, had a, I had a client early on that called them nasty grams. They had a culture where that would get sent all the time and they had to they had to address that. Nasty grams. Yeah. Oh, that's a good I, I, one. You're, you're absolutely right about that. Just, you know, that, that the whole CC in pieces or, or, you know, or me too, or I agree. And then it just becomes a domino effect. And you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. You know, I think if you can put that verbal piece in that real time um, and whether that's, you know, a particular team member, that's a staff member or, you know, some type of volunteer community moderator, uh, that's equipped with the right information that will help dispel uh, that. And I think, you know, help grow that relationship uh, even further. Well, and I, I agree with that because a lot of it is relationship curation and that takes time and care. 
And a lot of times people say, well, we don't have time for that. And my response is, but do you have time to clean up the mess that you're going to make by not putting in the time originally? It's sort of like that old saying, do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it again. But as we wrap up this conversation, we we have to address the elephant in the room, which is misinformation in online communities. And some of that is what causes the conflict. But there are people who passionately believe something with no data to back it up or no evidence to back it up. And sometimes, even though we are in our online communities to be with our professional peers and ask them questions and get their input, people's political or partisan messages start to seep in. And I have seen in online communities that I participate in, people saying, I don't come here for that. I come here for my professional. And I personally have left an online community because I finally just got fed up with the bad behavior um, and participate in other ones. So when we're looking at that, it's like I wrote a blog post called The Moon is Purple about this issue. Just because you say it so doesn't mean it is. Um, and also Ernie Smith wrote an article about misinformation in online communities. And what can we do about that? So what's some advice, and, and let's start over to Jamie for this last question. Uh, we'll have Jamie respond first. So what are some tactics or moves that we can make if people are actually putting wrong or unchecked information in online communities, which then can cause a lot of unnecessary furor? I mean, I, I, I think there's something similar to be done around red, yellow, green and standards of, of sources of information. Like, like that's the, I, I, this is harder. This is harder than I think your idea is stupid, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can manage that stuff, um, but like I have a source that says X, Y, Z is true. Uh, you may think that source is actually a left or right wing propaganda Right. And so I like I don't have a quick answer, but I literally thought of that really common Internet graphic with the all the news sources scaled by left to right leaning and factual versus opinion. And it's like, I don't know, maybe start somewhere. But like if it, and it depends on your community and what you're talking about. But if you really need to build a conversation that is based on. Uh, you know, well-researched resources, then you got to come up with standards for that. It says, you know what? This is from this really crazy right-wing person over here. We can't use that as a source. This this is from this really crazy left-wing person over here. We can't use that as a source. Um, And again, I don't know that that's like a perfect answer, but you got to come up with some standards that say, this is what we mean. Like misinformation is just like respect. Mm -hmm. It's like, what does it mean? You know, we got a flag at this says, I don't have data behind this. This is my strong opinion. Okay. Great. You know, or I do have data, but here's the source, you know, and then some way for evaluating that. Um, but again, I don't, I don't have specific answers on that, but we got to come up with some, some standards and some reasons why we need to uphold them. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, Rick, your thoughts. I, I'll piggyback on that. I think the standards piece is, is um, paramount in this and as someone who uh, you know works at a healthcare association that truly you know believes wholeheartedly in data and following the data uh, that is one place where we typically can um, come in with some additional resources that have been identified as these are the resources that have been um, approved or documented 
to be able to substantiate this position. So if someone goes off on a tangent, for instance, maybe in a community that is talking about, you know, uh, some type of way you would treat patients uh, and they go off on a tangent that would then invoke religion or some other type of, of you know, belief in that, we immediately want to address that from a standpoint of let's bring that back to this center point and not get confused with the fact of what's happening in your other beliefs that are coinciding or colliding with where the organization's position statements are. So that's one way that I know, uh, at least in my experience, that's been addressed uh, of ensuring that then we have some type of academic piece to support that. But you know that would be certainly, uh, that's one example. And to Jamie's point, it depends on what the context in the conversation is. So to, uh, I would say having those standards in place is one thing, but also identifying and having whomever may have been identified as a subject matter expert in a particular area address that with the facts to support it. Uh, but th that would have helped address what the standards and the expectations are. That's excellent advice, Rick. Thank you. Because we do have to have standards for our data as well as for our conduct. So as we wrap up this episode, uh, I always like to ask our guest uh, to share a closing thought for the audience. What's the one thing you'd like them to take away today? And if they wanted to follow up with you, what's the best way to get in touch? So let's start over to Jamie. Well, I just, I would add um, on the on the whole misinformation piece, I, I think there's, um, we, we talked about this before a couple of times, there, there are moments where you're going to carve it out and say, wait a minute, this conversation is now over here. If you want to have that conversation, there's a place you can do that, but it's not here, right? Um, which I think is useful. On the other hand, what I would really implore people is we got to up our game on conversations, okay? And we got to stop shutting things down because it makes people feel uncomfortable. We need to get better at sources. We need to get better at information and, and raise those standards and actually spend a little time talking about this stuff that makes us uncomfortable. Uh, I mean, certainly there's a line where you're like, okay, enough people, because then everyone leaves the community, right? But I do want us to up our game there. Um, and again, it's easier to up your game on speak to each other in ways that people are going to find it okay, as opposed to feeling attacked and that kind of stuff. Um, but I want us to, to add that same kind of rigor on the other side. And if you want to talk to me, the website is propelnow.co. There's no M at the end. It's just .co. That was not my decision. But that's <laughs> propelnow.co. That's great. Thank you, Jamie. And Rick, quick closing thought. And how can people get in touch with you? Absolutely. Um, to Jamie's point, I would say when you see, if you're someone who is monitoring or responsible for helping to encourage conversations in online communities, but you see that you know, your community rules are not being followed or members or participants are going off on tangents that are not on topic, it is important to address it early, address it immediately, uh, either by following up in email communications and then potentially picking up the telephone and reaching out to the members to reinforce that, uh, I think that will go a very long way in, in encouraging additional uh, engagement, as well as demonstrating for those who may be watching but not participating, because there are a lot of folks that are typically seeing the conversation, but they're not engaging directly. 
but it will reinforce for them that they too are valued and that when they may chime in, that will be something that will be respected. So those are my pieces to take away there. I think that is certainly important to consider. Uh, if you want to reach me, um, I would say probably the easiest is Twitter. Uh, and uh, it's uh, at R-Bert, C-A-E. So just uh, my first initial last name and in the spirit of holding the Certified Association Executive Credential, that is also part of it. So I, I look forward to engaging with all of you there. That's great. Well, thank you, Rick. Uh, we have to go rogue for now, but we'll be back next week with another exciting episode of Nonprofit Conversations. I'd like to thank my guests, Jamie Nodder and Rick Burt, for sharing their insights and advice on this important issue. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips Consulting and how we can help you bloom outside the box, check out our website, roguetulips.com. And if you're interested in CAE education, either preparing for the exam or to get some renewal credits, check out our education program website, the 501C League at the 501Cleague.net. On behalf of myself, Jamie and Rick, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. <laughs>